Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you, broken people. We come to you in need of a word from our Lord. So as Holy Scripture is shared today, send your Holy Spirit upon us. And may this message connect with our very heart, with our very bones, and push us to action. Is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. I am the grandson of two wounded healers. The term wounded healer is one that was, and as I talk, you're gonna be getting some study guides. The term wounded healer was one that was put together by Carl Jung, who, Jung, rather, who is a, was a psychiatrist, did a lot with personalities, and, and the idea was that those people who have been hurt, have been broken in their lives, will often look to bring healing to the lives of others. And that was definitely the case for both of my grandfathers. My first grandfather, my mother's dad, my grandpa Courser, as a young man started having some symptoms that ultimately led him to be bedridden. They thought that he was gonna die, in fact, because he had rheumatic fever. And at that time, it was a very risky thing to have rheumatic fever. It forever impacted the function of his heart. His heart was always weakened. In fact, he had to, in, during his illness, he had to take a year out from school. So he was a year behind all his peers through the rest of his educational career. It was during his time in, hospital, in the hospital that he made a life decision that he would dedicate his life to the service of others in medicine. And ultimately, through some challenges and through some victories, he was able to become a physician, practicing medicine uh, in Africa, as well as in the United States. My other grandpa, my grandpa Suizo, grew up working in an agricultural environment that every summer they would go out and they would, they would work and, and in the fall they would go and they would harvest and it was harvest time and they were working on shearing the crops with some heavy equipment and I don't remember all the specifics but the bottom line is that he got his foot stuck in one of the, the machines to cut um, the grain it was so bad that he lost much of his toes on one of his foot. In fact, I remember as a kid watching him put on his shoe. It was interesting to see it because he would have three socks. Three socks. Now, how many of you wear three socks? How many of you wear two socks? Most of you, right? But three. He had one for each foot and then he had another sock to put in the toes where his toes would have been because his, his toes had been cut off. During his time in the hospital, he too dedicated his life to the healing of others. And through his life, he was able to serve in the United States as well as in Peru, Bolivia, and in the tropics down in the Caribbean area. 
Jesus, too, was a wounded healer. Join me in the Bible as we turn to Isaiah 53. I know a few years back, some of us memorized this. Beautiful chapter about Jesus, our Savior. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3, 4, and 5. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we did as it were, as, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not dis esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by men, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. Today, I'd like to spend a little time looking at Jesus and his healing ministry. You know, in our church, we devote a lot of time to doing healing ministry, don't we? The programs that you often hear during the personal ministries time, a lot of them involve some type of healing, whether it's healing of the body, healing of the mind, healing of the emotions. We talk a lot about healing, don't we? And I believe there's a reason. And I believe that reason is, is because we're trying in our best to follow the example of Jesus, the example he gave as a healer. Join me in the Gospel of Matthew as we get into this study about Jesus, our gentle healer. Matthew chapter 9, and we'll look at verses 35 and 36. Matthew chapter 9, and we'll look at verses 35 and 36. <clears throat> what motivated Jesus to go and minister to those who were sick and hurting? Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. What was the motivation that caused Jesus to go and to heal. What word do you see there, especially in verse 36? What word jumps off the page? Go ahead and say it. Compassion. Jesus was motivated by compassion. The Greek word that is used is, and I'll try to say this, I apologize to you theology students here, but flanked ni zomai. Flanked nizomai. Flanked nizomai. And some of you are in the medical profession, may have heard of the flanking nerves. Have you heard of that? The flanking nerves? Maybe I'm not saying it right, Rachel, but flanking nerves. 
Where, what part of the body are the splenic nerves, Rachel? In the gut, in the abdomen, okay? So what this really means, the splenchnizomai, is that Jesus was touched all the way to the bottom of his gut. It touched him in a powerful way. Maybe akin to when you have a terrible bellyache, a terrible cramp, a terrible pain, and all you can do is go, ah! Have you ever had a pain like that? I see more ladies nodding their head than men. <laughs> ah! Jesus felt a pain for those people that went all the way to the bottom of his belly, all the way to his inner intestines, perhaps, all the way his compassion. Another time where his compassion was exhibited was an experience with a, a mother. Join me in Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven, as we look at the compassion of Jesus. Luke chapter seven and beginning in verse 11. Luke seven, verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. This was a tragedy. This woman had lost first her husband. Losing a husband meant much to the future um, opportunity for a woman. In that culture, the women didn't have many opportunities for work, many opportunities for success financially. And, and so she had tied all her, her success, all her hopes in, in her son. Maybe if my son can amount to something, he will be my provider. And, and that was the understanding that the son would devote his life, yes, to his own family, to his own children, but also to his mother's prosperity. But then he died too. One blow and then a second blow. It reminds me of the story of Naomi and Ruth, doesn't it? Losing two people, boom, boom. And so the city realized what a sad tragedy was there. And so they surrounded her with their sympathy. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Now, he didn't give her any intimation at this point that he was gonna help her. He simply told her, do not weep. It was not because he knew or felt that he was gonna heal her that he said it even. It was because he had compassion. Again, that compassion that comes from the gut level. He couldn't stop saying it. He said, don't weep, don't weep. Perhaps it's similar to how the angels 
So often said it in scriptures, when meeting men and women, do not fear, do not fear. They felt the pain, they felt the emotions. Don't worry, don't weep. He was a, must have been a, a few feet away when he said do not weep because it says, then he came, he walked up to her, and he touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. Why did they stay, stand still? Because Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, had just done something that was wrong. He had touched the coffin of a dead man, and he was no longer pure. He had violated the teachings of the rabbis. And so they stood still. Oh, look what he's done. But Jesus didn't care about following that tradition. He cared more about healing the young man. He, his compassion led him to break the rules so that he could get to a man who he could heal. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Young man, I say to you, arise. Imagine being there. This young man is laid out. He's dead. And God, Jesus says to him, young man, arise. So he who was dead sat up and immediately began to speak. Wouldn't that have been something to see? And then Jesus presented him to his mother. I think of Jesus on the cross presenting Mary to John. This is your son. This is your mother. And then look at what happened. Isn't it interesting? Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God. You know, another reason that Jesus healed was to bring glory to his father. He healed because of compassion, but he also healed to give glory to his father. In describing this scene, Ellen White in the book Desire of Ages says, he came close beside her and gently said, weep not. Jesus was about to change her grief to joy, yet he could not forbear this expression of tender sympathy. He knew what he was going to do, but he said, still, weep not. He who stood beside the sorrowing mother at the gate of Nain watches with every mourning one beside the bier. He is touched with the sympathy for our grief. His heart that loved and pitied is a heart of unchangeable tenderness. As I look out in the congregation today, I know that there are some of you who are mourning. Some of you have lost people that are close to you, haven't you? It wasn't very long ago they passed away. You're thinking of them, maybe. Maybe it was a mother or a father or a sister or a brother. Maybe it was a close friend. Maybe it was somebody who died much before their time. One of my college friends lost her sister this week. And it always gets me whenever they're younger than me much before their time. 
he is touched with sympathy for your grief. His heart that loved and pitied is a heart of unchangeable tenderness for you. Jesus, wherever he went, brought healing with him. But it's interesting, he didn't always heal everyone. It seems, for whatever reason, that he chose specific people for specific reasons. Join, with, join me in the book of John. I didn't put this in the notes, but I think it's an, an interesting story that we should look at. John chapter five, so you'll want to turn with me. John chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 1. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Interesting, tradition says that those five porches represented the five books of Moses. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. And according to the legend, it says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. How many of you are older than 38? You can admit it. We're in safe company. Okay? So less than half of the congregants today are older than 38. It means the majority of the people here today have not even been alive as long as this man had suffered. Imagine suffering for th all your life. All your life. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, one thing that as I was studying this week jumped out at me is that there were lots of people there that Jesus could have healed. He could have just done one of these things and waved his hand and everyone would have been healed there, right? But he went directly to one man. Directly he went. His compassion saw a man, and knowing his story, he said, 38 years is way too long. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Did this man evoke faith? Did it, did it, was it because of his awesome devotion to the Lord that, that Jesus went and talked to him? It doesn't say that. It was because of Jesus' sympathy, his compassion, his heart that he chose this man. Now certainly, there was some level of faith in response that had to happen, right? Because it says in verse nine, immediately the man was made well took up his bed, and walked. Now, I'm not speaking against faith. 
We're going to read other scriptures as we go through this study that talk about the need for faith. And Pastor Chris would definitely affirm that we need faith. But, sorry, uh, but we, it doesn't seem like Jesus always healed because of someone's faith. There are people that are healed without faith. And there are people that are not healed that have great faith. It seems to be that God chooses and Jesus chose specific people because he saw the fullness of the picture. He saw that if he healed this person, this is what would happen. He saw down past those 38 years. He saw what the years afterward would bring. He saw the testimony that would come out of their life. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Was there a reason that he healed that man? I think there's one reason right there, if nothing else. He came to show us that Sabbath is a day of healing. Sabbath is a day of bringing relief. Sabbath is not a day to sit around and just feel be a theologian. Now, there's certainly a time for reading of the Bible, but we're called beyond that to take what we read and go to the masses. Go and bring healing and health. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered, he who made me well said something otherwise. Then they asked him, who is this man who said that you take up your bed and walk? The one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had pulled back. He had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found the man in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. You've been made healthy. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. You see, in Jesus' healing, the ultimate goal was not the healing of this life. Not the healing that would lead to 70, 80, 90 years of life here. The healing that he was really looking for was the healing that led to the thereafter. The healing that is eternal. Some of us in this life will not be healed for the things that we pray about in this life but we can all be assured of a healing that leads to the eternal. Some of us may be praying for healing right now in our life. There may be something that we have placed before the Lord. There may be something that has challenged us. There may be some of us who have heard, if you only have more faith, if you only pray more, if you only spend more time in the Bible, if only you do this and this and this. <clears throat> there was a young lady. You may have heard of her. Her name is Johnny. And at 17 years of age, she went diving off a diving board and broke her back, her neck. From that point on, all that she could use was above her shoulders. 
And people came to Johnny Erickson Tata and they said to her, you can be lifted up out of that wheelchair. Let's come together and let's pray. Let's come together and let's fast. And she did, but she wasn't healed. Let's, let's, let's come together and really show God that we have faith. And she tried, but to no avail. She was sitting down with a, a TV uh, evangelist one time, and he asked her, what about miraculous healing? How do you deal with this? She said, I go to the Bible. I go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter one and verse 38 is where she led the evangelist. Mark chapter one and verse 38. But before we go there, I wanna read the verses before. Starting in verse 32. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick. He healed who? Did he heal all? Many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, the next morning, having, ri having risen a long while before daylight, and what was he doing? He was praying. What was he doing? He was communing with his father. He was having his devotions. He was connecting with his Lord, jumping in on what his mission was. He knew his marching orders. In the morning, having, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. In that prayer time, he knew what his divine injunction was. And Simon, Peter, and those who were with him searched for him. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where'd he go? When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Come on. You've healed all these people. Come, there's more to heal. <coughs> They've gathered together. Come, come, come. <clears throat> it's interesting what Jesus said in response. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. Jesus had a very specific mission in healing the very specific people he healed. He could have stayed there and healed and healed and healed and people would have come by the day, by the day, by the day, by the day. But his mission was more than just healing. His mission was to preach deliverance from sin. His mission was more than to bring deliverance from the ills of the body, deliverance from the frustrations and the stresses of being sick. He brought deliverance from sin. And more than anything, that was the mission that he was on. Verse 39 says, and he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and continuing to cast 
out demons. Joni looked at this text and she said, God is mindful of me. God is mindful of my condition. And there's a purpose. There's a reason. No, he didn't bring this upon me. But he's chosen not to bring me healing right now that my life may be a testimony. That I may share that even in suffering, God is good. That people can see in my life the goodness of the Lord. And she's dedicated her life to that. Many of you, I'm sure, have read her books or heard her on her radio show, devoted her life. If she had been healed at 17, God could have still used her but not in the same way that he has. Because she has become a person where others dealing with life's tragedies can come to. She can minister in a unique way. That people that don't have her disability, that don't have her ailment, never could. Let's continue on as we look at scripture. The elders are sometimes encouraged to come together. Let's look at James chapter five. James chapter five. There is a place for prayer. There is a place for faith. See, did I put the right text? Yeah, James chapter five. Is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Recently, a group was gathered together at a, a conference, and a family, a husband and a wife came. The wife was suffering from a diagnosis that they said was terminal. And so they asked that a group of elders come together, and they did in an afternoon meeting in a side room at this large convention hall. And before they had this service, the verse, was at, the verse was said, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Now, this is not talking about all the sins that you've ever done. This is talking about specific trespasses that you've had one to, to another. And in this small, intimate circle, the husband and father of the family spoke up as his wife and children and a group of elders were there together, he spoke up. He said, I'm convicted that I haven't been the father and husband that I should be. I'm convicted that I haven't been the spiritual leader that I should be in my home. I've not been leading out in worship. I've not been kind to you children. Please forgive me. 
And in tears he went and he hugged on his children and he hugged on his wife. Was there healing in that room? Did healing occur when they came together to pray? Amen. There were serious healing. Now, healing didn't happen physically that day. God didn't choose to heal that particular lady. But in that family, there was unity like never before. Those last months of her life were the sweetest she had ever experienced because she had come together and prayed and God had delivered on his promise to bring healing. God had delivered on his promise to bring restoration. A broken family, a broken home was healed. And her happiest thoughts as she lay there were the thoughts of her family together in heaven. Because they had come, as the Bible instructed, confessed their trespasses, and prayed. There are plenty of other stories where just the opposite has happened, where people have been healed in response to an anointing service. But God chooses, God works, God knows. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. But if it doesn't happen just like we hoped it would, believe that healing is happening, happening nevertheless. The healing that really needs to happen will happen if we follow the injunction of Scripture. <clears throat> he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. Our gentle healer was a wounded lamb. John, in introducing him to the people, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament times, a terrible disease was coming. And we'll turn with, turn with me to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 21. There was a terrible plight of fiery serpents. Starts in verse 4. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our souls lulls. This worthless bread, this manna. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then in response, the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. 
And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks up at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. He put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Friends, we have one that we can look up to. When the fiery serpents of life come and molest and hurt and seek to destroy, we have one that we can look up to and live. I don't know what you're dealing with in your life today. I don't know what pain, what struggle, what illness you have in your life. But I know that there is one that you can look up to. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a healer that comes with healing in his wings. A healer that wants to make you whole. The word often used in the New Testament for health and wholeness is the word zoso, which means salvation. The healing that Jesus brings is not solely to bring physical health. Why do we go out as a church? Why do we go out and seek people who are struggling with physical ailments? It's because we realize that there's a fullness of health that only God can bring. Doctors, nurses, medicine, they can bring a temporary healing, but they can't bring the true sozo. That truth also is only found in connection with Jesus. And so it's our goal to take those people, show them sympathy, show them love, and then point them to look up. Point them to look to the one that's on the pole. Look up and live. Look up and thrive. Look up and have fullness of life. The tender sympathies of our Savior were aroused for fallen and suffering humanity. If you would be his followers, you must cultivate compassion and sympathy. Indifference to human woes must give place to lively interest in the sufferings of others. Is that action? Lively interest. The widow, the orphan, the sick, and the dying will always need help. Here is an opportunity to proclaim the gospel, to hold up Jesus, the hope and consolation of all men. When the suffering body has been relieved and you have shown a lively interest in the afflicted, the heart is opened and you can pour in the heavenly balm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. One thing you may not know about our family, when we came here to this church five years ago, we were broken. We had gone through a very challenging time in our previous church. Some of those who had been the closest to us in our church had 
literally turned their back on us and had gone, what I can only say is militant. They had decided that they were going to spread untruths, half-truths, a variety of things against us. And it was a very painful time. It was a time where we would look as we drove into the parking lot of the church and say, is their car there? And if their car was there, we would feel a pain. And if their car wasn't there, we'd feel relief. It was especially worrying on Sarah because I'm one that grew up in a home where we kind of go back and forth at each other. We're not intimidated by conflict, (laughs) but in Sarah's home, conflict is a very uh, uh, challenging thing. And so as we were leaving Washington, there there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of challenges and struggles and and we came here to this church broken in leaving washington we had left opportunities to serve opportunities to be involved in ministry bible studies elder treasury work and we wondered would we have that again the south bay church gave us that the south bay church brought us friends and they brought us healing. Thank you for helping heal the Suizos. My invitation to you as our singers come up is to be a healer. There are other people like the Suizos that need your healing touch. But perhaps you say, Eddie, I'm still healing myself. That's okay. Look up to the greatest healer. And as you seek to heal others, he will heal you. The gentle healer, Jesus, wants to bring healing to you and use you to heal others.